I'm sitting in the chair, just chilling. Like Larson's laying on the couch, getting sleepy, and I'm sitting here watching so you can dance, 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 dance. And all of a sudden, Bowen, I look to my left, and Bowen's just standing there like this. <laughs> just looking at me. It was like a scary movie. I'm enjoying this and watching Yaya do her whole crump thing, and then all of a sudden it's, holy crap, what just happened? So I pick up Bowen. I'm like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? He goes, I don't want to sleep. I'm like, oh, Bowen, I thought like we were there. All right, bud. So I pick him up. I carry him back to his room. I put him back in his bed, and we do the little routine again, and then he finally goes to sleep. But not before he fought me. Not before he was like, I don't want to go to sleep, Dad. And I'm like, Bowen, but here's the deal. We have a rule about bedtime. You need to go to sleep. Now, I set a rule for my son's bedtime because I know that if he doesn't sleep well that night, then the next day when he wakes up, it is not going to be a fun story for anybody. And then I know that he also just started preschool. And if he has to go to preschool when he already started out grumpy, then he's not going to enjoy preschool and going to get in trouble. And then the rest of his day is going to be ruined because he didn't go to bed. So I've made a rule about bedtime because I know what's best for my son. I know what is in the future for him if he chooses to stay up. Now, that's easy to comprehend when we talk about me and my three-year-old, my flying, brave three-year-old. But the truth is, it's the exact same thing when it comes to us and God. God will give us rules, and we think, why can't I just go do this? But he knows the future. He's writing it. And he knows what's best for us. And so we can trust him to say, this may not be what I want to do. I don't want to go to sleep. But he knows what's best for us, so then we can follow him, trust that he knows what's best, and live inside those rules. But see, if that's the guideline that God gives us when it comes to rules, that same fatherly way that I would be to Bowen, here's what our world has done. Our world has put a certain, a certain tagline, a certain moniker to how we should live, and it doesn't have to do with following rules. It's called YOLO. Oh, God, that took so much out of me to say that. I can't, I... <laughs> kind of can't believe I just did that, but can we just have a moment of confession so I don't feel as bad about myself? How many of you have ever posted something with hashtag YOLO? Any, can we just, will you raise your hand with me? I just said it. Okay. Okay. How about this? Next question. Next question. How many of you have ever used YOLO in an actual conversation? Will you raise your hand? Okay. Okay. That's worse. That's more of you. Okay, well, God's grace is great, and here's some advice. Stop doing that. If you want friends, you want, maybe that's why you're not dating anybody. I'm just saying. Now, here's what the world has done. The world has made this phrase, YOLO, to say, you only live once. And the way the world has given us this phrase, YOLO, is to say, go do whatever you want. Because you only live once. So go have fun. Who cares about tomorrow? You're existing in the now, and the now will always exist. So do whatever you want. Go and sow those wild oats. Go and have fun. Live free. YOLO. That's what our world is telling us. But there's something about that statement that goes against the guidelines of how God would lay out his rules. And see, the statement of YOLO would actually, would actually tell us something. A lie. There's a lie that YOLO would say to us, and it's this. If you want to follow along, there are two things to fill out tonight. And the first one is the lie. And the lie is that you reap what you want. 
lies that you reap what you want. Go and have fun. Just be you. Experience the world. Try this thing. You're 20. Who cares? And the lie of that is that you reap what you want. And here's, here's where it falls on itself. The world would not tell you. Our culture would tell you YOLO, but the world around you, the natural laws of where we live would say that that's silly. It just doesn't make sense. Because there are natural consequences for every single decision that happens. There are natural consequences. If I step off this platform, what am I going to do? Look like an idiot. It's a natural consequence. It's just going to happen. And you can't get away from that. This, this model of action and then consequence is something that occurs everywhere in your world. It occurs everywhere in your life. And so to think that you can just reap what you want and not have to deal with the decisions that you're making in the present is a lie. Because the truth is, where you are right now is a result of the decisions that you've made in your life. Where you are right now is a result of the decisions that you've been making. Who you are right now is a result of the decisions you've been making. It's a result of the people that you surround yourself with. You are the sum of the five closest people to you. So think about who are you closest with? Who are those five people? If you would think of any of those people as, that sucks because they're an idiot, well then maybe you should change the people around you. Because you're the sum of the five closest people to you. And that decision you've made to make that person who is not the best in the world to be that close to you is affecting who you are today. There's a consequence to every action. That's a rule written into the fabric of our world. It's written into the fabric of nature. It's written into the fabric of your faith as well. And if you're a result of everything that's been happening, these decisions, then the world would tell you, choose what you want to do now. Who cares about the future? But God would tell you, What you do now will affect your future. What you choose to do right now in life is going to determine who you become. And about two years ago, PK, our senior pastor, gave a sermon talking about appetite and authority and and following God's path versus following Satan's path. And maybe the thought of following your own path. And so what I want to do for the next portion of the teaching is I want you to listen. I want you to watch and listen as he gives this section of this teaching that's going to speak exactly into where we're going tonight. Because the lie would say you reap what you want. YOLO, do what you want to do. But there's something different in the fabric of how you were created, the fabric of God, the fabric of our world that we have to understand. And I don't want you to be people that live in a lie where you are fooled. I want you to mature. My prayer for you is that you would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and men, just as Jesus did. That's Luke 2.52. My goal for you is that by the time you're done hanging out here, whether you're 19 and you move off, or you're 26 and you realize it's time to get to the next season of life, my goal for you is that you would grow in emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. But you're not going to do that if you live a lie. So PK is going to go a little bit deeper into explaining this. I want you all to watch, listen, take some notes, and then we'll come back up and finish. This past summer, I gave my appetite freedom. I unleashed it. I said, you, Mr. Appetite, have now been unchained. You now make the choices. Over these couple of months, whatever you desire, you pick. You have. I want you to know, it was an awesome summer. 
I'm telling you, when I walked in, whatever I was, let me try some of that. And let me have some of that. It was, it was, I just, it's almost spiritual. It was, it was just that good. At the end of July, I weighed myself, which is always a mistake. You know what I'm talking about? If you're going to eat like that, don't weigh yourself. And I gained 10 pounds. And I hate that. It, I was depressed. You know what I'm talking about? Am I all alone? I'm just, I was just depressed. Like all that work. I just... <laughs> now I got to go spend 90 days doing the discipline, the appetite thing. I got to eat, you know, smart and small five times a day, lean into protein, work out six days a week, seven to 800 calories. Now I'll go do that for the next 90 days. I'll get back to where I'm supposed to be. And here's what I discovered. I either hate it on the back end when I'm fat and soft, or I hate it on the front end when I have to be disciplined. But listen, listen, the world lies and tells you that you can indulge appetite and there will be no cost. And that's an absolute lie, yes? It's an absolute lie. Now, see, what you need to know is if you're going to indulge, you're going to die somewhere. You're going to die either at the back end because you did indulge, or you're going to have to deal with it on the front end. And temptation lies to us. It tells us that life's just going to be all fun. Let your appetite run. It's a lie. you got to be able to detect the lie. Marcia and I celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary this past Wednesday. 31 years, yeah. She has d dealt with me for 30. Don't you want to pray for her? Don't you, aren't you just amazed the saint that she is? We have an awesome time together and love life. But I, I can tell you this, and you've heard it before. If you're around here, I, it wasn't that way in the beginning. About second to third year in, I, 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 I hate to confess, but it's just true. I've said it before. About second, third year in, I told myself, you married a willful woman. That was a mistake. I may have to divorce her. I mean, seriously, did. I know it'll wreck my ministry, take me out of ministry, probably wreck my life. But you know what? I I'm not bowing to her. I'm not dealing with this. I mean, something's wrong with her. She doesn't even do what I say. <laughs> did she not read the marriage vows? This was clear. You know what I really don't like? I don't like when Jesus says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I don't like that scripture. I want a black eye like that one. You know why? Because for our marriage to be great on the back end, I would have to die to myself on the front end. And I would prefer to be a boy and still have a man marriage. But that's not an option. You see, if I won't die on the front end, then our marriage will die on the back end. But something's going to die. When you got people running around indulging their appetites, telling you for being a disciplined person that you're just losing out on the best of life, it's an absolute lie. Something in their life is dying, and when it's full grown, it will die. See, Satan tempts us to satisfy godly appetites in an ungodly way. And so you're going to have to stop the lie. You're going to have to learn to detect lies. Jesus had the strength to detect a lie. That's what sets him apart. Of the, when you see Jesus in the temptation and, and, and Satan delivers, the tempter delivers, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to turn stone 
into bread. You're hungry, and I'll bet he's hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. Of course he's hungry. And these are God-given desires. So Satan says, why not do it? So where is the sin in it? I want you to get this. We're going to spend a little time theological. I'm going to do this. You've got, you got to understand this. So you just weigh in, follow along, catch this. There's deep richness in here. And you need to understand. I'm not skipping this. So let's go here. Where was the sin? What was sin? Where was the lie? What did Jesus detect? I'm telling you at least this. Jesus detected that Satan was setting Jesus up to dismiss his heavenly father's timing, to distrust his heavenly father's care, and to disqualify himself to be the sacrifice for sin, to be the ransom. Let me walk through it. Jesus detected that Satan was setting him up to dismiss his father's timing. See, Satan said, hey, why don't you make the stone into bread? You're hungry. And Jesus said, I've come to do the will of my Father in heaven, not to do my own. That was his claim. And what Jesus detected in the moment is that this was not the Father's will. This was not the Father's timing. This was Satan's. Listen very carefully. We have all kinds of issues with God's timing. See, when we don't like God's timing to satisfy an appetite, we dismiss him. No, tell me this isn't an issue. Let's just talk about sexual appetites. We live in a world where God created sex as a gift for a man and a woman inside marriage, one person for life till death do you part. And we don't like the timing. We don't want to wait. We'll have sex with whomever, whenever, however we choose. And so appetite leads in this culture. What leads in your life? See, Jesus knew that he was being invited to dismiss the Father's timing. It's more than that. He was being invited to, to distrust the Father's care. It's almost as if Satan was saying to Jesus, now listen, Jesus, listen, listen. Your heavenly Father really loves you? Really? Well, if he really loved you, he would feed you. He hasn't fed you? He's left you hungry for 40 days? Does God really love you? Does your Father in heaven really care? I mean, gee, hey, doesn't your father want you to be happy. Isn't that a great line? And now, don't people use that all the time? Doesn't God want you to be happy? As if, listen, as if your momentary unhappiness is permission to distrust God. Do it all the time. Jesus didn't buy, he detected a lie. Third, <laughs> Jesus understood that Satan was trying to disqualify him to be the sacrifice for sin. Disqualify him. Let, let, let me explain. See, Jesus made a commitment to follow the Father. And what Satan was trying to do is make Jesus his own man. Watch, watch, watch. Satan was suggesting that there are three options in life. You can be God's man, you could be Satan's man, or you could be your own man. And Satan was saying, Jesus, just be your own man. Make your own decisions. Make it your own timing. Take care of it. You have the power to do this. Pull it off. Watch. What Jesus knew is that there's no third option. It doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as being your own man or your own woman. You are either God's man or woman, or you are Satan's man or woman, and that's it. And under temptation, he's not trying to help you satisfy your appetites. He's trying to get you to bow to him. 
And if you can't see the lie, you become his pawn. See, he was trying to get Jesus to disqualify. This is a fascinating conversation. And so I'm going to venture into theology for a moment. Hope you can keep up. Jesus was originally and was still God. But when he left heaven and came to earth, he suspended his divinity. What is the mark of divinity? Divinity is everywhere present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. True? This would be correct, yes. True? And so, Jesus was used to being everywhere present, but he suspended that, and when he came to earth, he existed in a human body. He limited his presence to one physical human body. Can you imagine that, being God and being restricted like that? Jesus was all-knowing, but he suspended his divinity. And I believe what it literally meant, I believe what he literally did, is he had to learn and grow and discover from the time of birth through 12 years all the way up to 30 years that he was the Son of God. I think he had to learn it. I think that's part of his growing up process. I think it was discovery and why it was very real temptation for him. He wasn't omniscient when he was on earth nor was he all-powerful. I believe that the power that Jesus exercised to accomplish the miracles that he performed was by the will of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit in him, which is why I said to his disciples, greater things will you do than what I have done because I will send the Holy Spirit and he will indwell you. But many people say, well, I don't see that evident in people's lives because they want people to use the Holy Spirit for their own will to accomplish their own purpose when in fact the only reason the Holy Spirit is you is to help you accomplish the will of the Father who is in you. That's the only purpose. It's not to go prove something to somebody else that God is in you. And so Jesus, if, listen, if Jesus had turned the stone into bread, he would have to access his divinity to do it, which he could have done, and it would have disqualified him to be the ransom for our sin. It would have made him fully God and not man. Satan was not tempting Jesus to help him find food. He was tempting Jesus to dismiss his heavenly father's timing, to distrust his heavenly father's care, and to disqualify himself. And I want to tell you, Satan's doing that with you all the time. He's trying to get you to dismiss God's timing in your life, to distrust God's care, and to disqualify you for the things God has. I couldn't have said it better than that. And see, what Satan's trying to do is get you to buy into that lie by making you do those things and distrusting God, especially his timing. He's trying to get you to buy into the lie that what you reap is what you want. You'll reap what you want. That you can do whatever you want right now and you can bypass the laws and the rules of God to find the full and blessed life. And what we see, and what I love so much, I remember this, like it's yesterday from two years ago. A lot of times we can think that when YOLO comes through, we're going to do our own thing, our own way. But really what we just learned is that it's either God's way or Satan's way. There is no your way. When you try to live out your way, you are living Satan's way. And it's an opposite of God. So it is a lie to believe that you reap what you want. We know this also to be true because of what we see in the book of Galatians. So I want to turn there and read a few verses there's a Bible under your chair. You can turn to a Bible if you brought it. Galatians chapter 6. If you need to use the Bible under your chair, it's page 11, uh, 1171. 
Look it up on your phone. Do whatever you need. Galatians chapter 6. Near the end of the Bible in the New Testament. We're going to turn there. It's Paul's letter to the people in Galatia. Paul starts to speak directly into that lie that you reap what you want because it's just not true. You start to bypass God's rules to make your own rules. You're creating a future for yourself that leads to nothing but destruction. And that's what Paul talks about. So, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7, says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so the truth that you need to hear from the words of Paul, the words of PK, and the words of God is this. You reap what you sow. Now you may have heard that before and it may pass right over you. So my prayer for you tonight is that you would understand that every single decision you're making right now is going to determine the outcome of your future. You reap what you sow. What you put into the ground is going to affect what comes out of the ground. You can't drop an apple seed in the ground and expect an orange tree to blossom. It doesn't work. It's the rules of nature. And the same rules apply here. If you start to sow seeds of destruction into your life by YOLO, doing whatever you want, whenever you want to, what you're going to reap is the destruction that comes from that decision. Living your own, which is really Satan's. But if you sow seeds of righteousness, seeds of faithfulness, seeds of trust in God, then what will come from that, what will be reaped from that, is eternal life. Is the full life that Jesus promises. And see, if I did a little game right now, I could ask you, if you had a team on this side and a team on this side, and on this team is God, and on this team is not God, how many of you would say, I want to be on the team that's opposite of God? No. No one, said, no one in their right mind says that. I want to be on God's team. Because whether or not you believe it, you know something about him that he's all-powerful, that he's omniscient, that he's omnipresent, that there's something to him that's greater than you, and so you want to be on his team. But if you want to be on his team, then he shows you how to do that, how to have the full life that he desires for you. And it's by following those guidelines of how he says to live. See, the statement... YOLO is actually real. You do only live once. And you will never have today again. But rather than take that moniker, that phrase, that statement for, the, for what the world would want it to be, start to understand it and hear it through wisdom. I never get this opportunity again to live in obedience. I'm never going to have this opportunity, this moment, to follow the Holy Spirit and figure out what God's path is. Because I have a choice right now to sow a seed of destruction, whatever I want to do, or to sow a seed of righteousness, whatever God wants to do. This is a rule in your faith that you have to understand. And what God desires for you is to follow Him because He wants to give you the full life. Life and life to the full. That's what Jesus desires for you. And so it's a flip of the script. It's back in what Galatians 6 says. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
And what I want you to hear last tonight is this. There is grace. Overwhelming grace. Grace on grace on grace on grace. It doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter how many seeds of destruction you've built into your life. It doesn't matter how bad the decisions you've made have been. It doesn't matter how dark the storms are. It does not matter. Because your past does not have to define you. You only live once. And you'll never have today again. So today, you can choose righteousness. Today you can choose to follow Jesus because there's grace. Jesus never said to us, hey listen, if you want to live the full life, I've come that you can have it. All you got to do is go and get clean. Go and uproot all those seeds. Make everything good again. Till all that soil. You do all that work to get everything right and then I'll let you start to sow these seeds of righteousness. He never said that. He never said you have to go and get clean before you can come to him. He said you come to him and he'll make you clean. That's grace. And so tonight you may come in here realizing this may hit hard. And you may be thinking, I've been doing this wrong. Maybe my whole life. And what you need to hear is, Jesus offers you grace. He offers you forgiveness. And he wants to offer you life. All you have to do is come to him and say, I've done a lot of bad, and I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry. And then you ask him to show you how to do this. How in my daily life, how, God, I don't, like, it doesn't make sense. Do you know how hot she is? Like, I can't keep my eyes off her, let alone my hands. How am I going to, what? Okay, then you start to ask for help. I get it. You're between 18 and 25. You're a walking ball of hormones, okay? It's exactly what you are. And unless you're married, you shouldn't be going and living and expressing those hormones out. But maybe you are. Okay. Well, now you know the truth. Because maybe you didn't know the truth before. Maybe you didn't realize that that was a lie. Well, now you do. So now you're accountable to it. What are you going to do with the truth now? Will you continue to live that life? Opposite of God's rules and guidelines for the best possible life? Or will you make a change? Will you turn around And when you come back home to him and realize he wants to bless you with life. He wants to give you that righteousness. He wants to give you eternal life. And you don't have to be defined by any past decision. There's grace on grace on grace. And he never runs out of grace. It's abundantly available for you. You just got to stop sowing seeds of destruction and start realizing the truth. You reap what you sow not what you want. So, grow up. What's the place in your life that you've been reaping what you want? What's the place in your life where you've got that wrong? Maybe the better question for you is, what are you reaping in your life? Because it's a direct result of what it is that you're sowing. The decisions that you make now are determining who you will be in the future. What are you doing with your life? Are you following God's rules? Because remember, we would all say we want to be on his team. Well, he shows us how to have that life. You've got to follow him. So what I want to do is give you an opportunity to think about that. 
And I don't want to give a ton of structure to it because I heard this yesterday. Someone speaking to a group of college students, they said, you know, you're old enough to go to war. You're old enough to make a mature decision. So actually think about what we've talked about tonight. Where are you breaking God's rules? Where are you sowing the wrong thing in your life? And what are you going to do to fix it? It may be the bravest possible thing you could do. Maybe you need to end a relationship tonight. Maybe you need to go buy a journal and start reading tonight. Maybe you need to confess some sin to a friend that you, um, that you admire and that would have accountability to you tonight. Maybe you need to fall on your face and ask God for forgiveness tonight. But stop living the lie that you reap what you want because the truth is you reap what you sow. So I'm going to pray for us, and after I'm done praying, the band's going to lead us through a few songs. It's an opportunity for you to respond as you want to, as the Holy Spirit guides you, as He leads you. You respond. That can be standing and singing. That can be praying. That can be crying. There is freedom in this room. So go get it. Father, I thank you so much that we get to do this. God, I thank you for the truth of, of who you are and that you make it available for us to come to you. God, you make it available for us to to turn around. And maybe we've been making the bad decision, God. Maybe there are people in this room tonight that all they've been doing is living out that lie of, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to do what I want to do, and it's not going to affect my future. Father, I pray that we would not be so blinded. We would not be so dumb. We would not be so silly, and that we would understand the truth, that you reap what you sow. And Father, I pray that every person in this room, even starting tonight, if it has to happen, that tonight would begin to be a people that would choose to reap whatever the Spirit wants. That that would be the decision we make of sowing those seeds to reap what the Spirit wants, Father. That would occur in our world and that you would grow us up through that, Father. Because God, what you desire for us, every person in here, regardless of what they've done, you desire life for us. You want to give it to us. But God, I pray that you would right-size our view of you, that you right-size our view of rules, and we would understand that you don't want to make us slaves. You want to liberate us. You want to free us. So Father, it's in the name of Jesus that I ask that tonight there be freedom in this room. Freedom to respond to the Holy Spirit as He desires. So God, have your way in us. We're going to worship you. We're going to praise you. We're going to come before you. We're going to beg to you. And I'm going to ask that you grow every single one of these people up in wisdom, in stature, and in favor, both you and men, just as you did Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.